0: So there's something that happened this week that I want to share that has to do with chapter 36. Um, But for us to get the context of that, um, I want us to listen to chapter 36. Okay, so you can follow along. I'm going to be playing the Word of Promise... New King James version of this okay. um, so we'll read a little differently Absolutely, but I want you to sort of get the sense of what is happening in this chapter um, so just listen and follow along verse 1 starting in verse 1 and we're going to do the whole chapter <coughs> okay.
1: now it came to pass in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah yes. that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to king Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah The son of Asaph, the recorder, came out. Then Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look! you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it, so is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away, and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. And Eliakim, Shedna, and Joah said to the rapture, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the rapture said, As my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall, who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Well, the rapture stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus is the king of Assyria. Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpah? Where are the gods of Sepharbaim? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Are they have their peace. Answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the rapture. Pretty dramatic, huh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was good. That's so, what's going on here? example of humility.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> sort of summarizing. What, what did you guys hear about? Listen, Listen to that. me or die. The messenger for the king
3: of Assyria was sent in order to get them to um, voluntarily give up. Uh, give up. Yeah. yeah. To, to surrender without a siege or fighting and used rationale I guess or whatever yeah. trying to be persuasive yeah. and they tried a bunch of different tactics I guess <laughs> within this whole thing yeah 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 anybody else
0: you sort of pick up anything else you pick up there okay you did you doubt what trying to create doubt doubt oh yeah definitely actually listening to that story right now it sort of reminds me of the serpent and the Garden, yeah. It's like, you know, did God really say <laughs> we really trust him? Nah, you forgot God's not gonna do anything.
3: Well, um they said that they said the Lord sent us here. Yeah. At one point. And then he yes, said, they did. Can your God save you? Which was like contradicted themselves.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is that the Syrian king's basically saying your God sent these to, yeah. to do this, yeah. um, and the word used by the king there, the king of Assyria, is God's personal name, Yahweh, Right. Um, which is also sort of just interesting. Yeah. But did you hear what um, what's going on with um, what other country, What countries were involved here? So you had obviously Assyria. What other countries were involved? Sam- Samaria. Egypt. Egypt, right? Egypt, Samaria. Okay. Yeah. So you're I don't know how well you're gonna be able to see this because I don't want to try to do the screen, but so here's here's Israel again. Okay. We sort of see that. There's there's Israel, there's Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee, here's Jerusalem. Okay. What is the opening city that you hear in Isaiah thirty six there? What city are they talking about? Is Jerusalem.
4: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> what city? Yeah, but what what are the city, what What city is a siege happening against? It's
5: the fortified cities of Judah.
0: Yeah, look at the very opening... Yeah, look at... um, So look at verse 2. See that city called Lachish? Mm You guys see that? Alright, so here is Jerusalem. Alright, where's Egypt. Right down here. Okay. Here's Jerusalem. Do you see where Lachish is? It's south of Jerusalem. Okay. So, what Assyria is doing is they are going against all these cities all around Jerusalem and laying siege against them. Mm -hmm. All right. And the reason why they're doing that against Lachish is because they want to take that over because this has the route... From Egypt, okay, for the Egyptians, as they're going to help Hezekiah, all right, they wanted to make sure that they, the Egyptians, would going to be able to get there, all right. So they laid siege on this city called, like, the thing's called Lachish. Okay. What's interesting about the city is it is one. So if you go to Israel, one fascinating thing about archaeology is that. Uh, the way people built things is they would build cities upon cities upon cities upon cities this was so fascinating about trying to do archaeology because when you try to do it you're you because that's how they used to do things to try to figure out something you know you've got, you're going from this city built up here you're digging in energy to get to this city down 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 trying to figure out things In had to go to Israel old Jerusalem you'll see it you actually walk into layers of Cities that have been built on top of cities. Um, so what? what's interesting, too, is there's so much we all think, like, wow, all this archaeology taking place. But very, very little has really been uncovered in Israel. I mean, when you look at all the different, what's called tell. Very little? Very little. When you look at a tell, a tell is like a mountain. You'll see these tells as you go through and go around Israel. You'll see these, like, mountains. Hmm. And they're called tells. Because what they are are these cities are that were built in tel, tel, like Tell, tell, like T E L L. Oh, okay. Oh, Tells, Tells, yeah. tel, okay. And what's in, so what's fascinating is, it's, yeah, very percentage wise, just so much that still needs to be uncovered. And it's a very, very, very long process to do that. So obviously they focused a lot on Jerusalem, they focused in different places they can. But one place they have uncovered is Lekish. Mm. All right, and they uncovered it that revealed exactly what we just heard happened in Isaiah 36. Mm. The proof that what was happened with that siege of, As- of Assyria until Lachish actually took place, and they actually have uncovered that part of what happened. So, mm. what what you see in this, um, in fact. Here is the city of Lachish. This is act, this is the wall built um, in the 9th, eighth BC century. Okay, so this is around the time of Isaiah, around this time here. Okay, and so they've uncovered a bunch, and they've uncovered these walls. In fact, if you take a look, um, you know, here's another view. You can see the different layers. Okay. Um, there's another view of it. So. Actually, this these mountains here—that's the Tell, all right—and they they're just layers and layers of city that take forever to to bring down. But the issue with Assyria here is when they attacked Lakeish, it had a wall around it, all right. So they were trying to figure what most big cities did, and Jerusalem did too. Was how are we going to get? How are we going to break in? You know, it's like watching one of these big movies, you know, movies to watch. How are we going to? How are we going to get into this city? And the way they did it was they built a ramp made of rocks that so here's the wall of the city. And Assyria built this huge ramp of just made of stones and rocks, and they started like here, and they started to build it. Well, they started, like, down here. They started to build it up and up and up and up and up and up. And they went this direction like this because they didn't want Lakish to be able to kill their people, okay, as they were building this, until finally they got close enough, and then they were able to finish that, get all the way up here, break over the wall into Lakish, and take it over, Okay. This is but the wall. In the city uh, didn't notice see the road. wall. Well, they noticed they, they, they it. Were, they were Greg, over here. They noticed it. Wouldn't they want but to build their walls higher? Huh. Well, <laughs> probably.
3: It's a thought. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: which comes down to the question is how fast was Assyria able to do this? Yeah, remember Assyria is a humongous force. Okay, so I mean they got thousands and thousands of their army coming. Yeah, right. So here's the actual here's the actual ramp that they built up. That's cool. Okay, that that went all the way up to where the wall was that allowed them to break in and do exactly what we just just read there, in Isaiah um, 36. Hmm. What has troubled people all through yeah, this time is, how in the heck did they build this wall? Okay? And I'm going to read an article, that just came out on, um, from the um, get to it. So this, um, I was supposed to just publish in the Oxford Journal of Archaeology. Um, and what is also interesting is this is a massive relief in, I can never say his name. If you remember Tiglath Pileser, he was the king against um, Ahaz of Assyria coming against him. Well, they have the, in the palace that he is in in Assyria. This is a relief, which actually shows what they were doing where they were building this ramp up, mm-hmm. okay, and showing the different people and stuff, sort of taking over how they actually did this with luggage and wow. how they would do this. So the problem has been, how in the heck did they do this? How did they build this ramp and build it so fast um,
1: to take them over? So this is what they found out. Just, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So some, it says, this is the article. It says
5: some lots, lots. of slaves. Human schools.
0: So, some 2,700 years ago, I think what's fascinating about this is again, you know, not that we need confirmation of what happens in here, but archaeology continues over and over and over again to say we're finding out what the Bible says has really happened. In fact, they used to think King David was not real because they never found one piece of evidence ever that King David actually lived. And then, I don't know, if, I don't know the exact dates, 70s, 80s, 90s, 1990s, something like that, um, they were digging in Dan, which is a city um, above the Sea of Galilee, and they actually found a coin inscribed with King David. Oh. Um, that was the first, like, evidence that they had of doing that. Um, so
3: you're saying, what, like, attributable uh, evidence, because like yeah. you can go to King David's tomb, and it's like you say... It's yeah. strata, 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 right? And it's attributable to tradition, right? And things that are but non- not necessarily evidence. yes. Right.
0: Very good. Not necessarily right. real proof. That some of this is tradition. What they're finding is more and more proof. So what they were trying to figure out was how in the heck could they have done this? How did they build this wall and so fast? So this is what they just came out with: was an article about how, did, how they, they believe they did that. And so it said. Some 2,000, 2,700 years ago, a Syrian king, so bad with that, Sennacherib, that we just read about, conquered the Judean city of Lachish in one of the most documented battles of ancient history, as described in the Bible, in Assyrian records, and even in artwork that survives until today. That artwork I showed you there. So, I mean, there's this documentation battle we're reading Isaiah 36, like one of the most documented archaeologically of any battles in the Bible. So it says, a group of Israeli and American archaeologists have now shed light on how that dramatic war was conducted, and specifically how the conquering troops built the siege ramp that allowed them to capture the city. The results of their, their research, combined with the analysis of the and historical sources with the study of archaeology remains, uh, remains in the landscape, were recently published in the Oxford Journal of Archaeology. And we just read about where it just said this in here, about the 14th year that the king of Isaiah, they took siege against Lachish. So the area had already emerged as a clear side of a battlefield. Um, The top was excavated around 40 years ago, that top I just showed you, and hundreds of flint stones and arrows were found there from the war. In addition, around 40 to 50 percent of the ramp has survived. Now we understand how it was built. This was the issue. They didn't get how it was built. In order to achieve the result, the researchers developed a theoretical model and checked it against evidence and did all this analysis to try to figure this out. So once um, a prominent Canaanite city, which was Lachish, before Israel came in and took it over, Lachish was among the centers conquered by Joshua after the Israelites entered the land of Israel. It later an, became an important city in the kingdom of Judah, second only to Jerusalem. So this is a big, big city. A vivid depiction of its siege at the hands of the Assyrians in 701 BC, which is what we're reading here, is offered by several stone panels found in a palace in Nineveh, which is why I just showed you, the capital of Assyria, which portray the battle and the warfare technique used Weapons, but also the siege ramp and the battery rams, which allowed them conquering army to breach the city wall. In order to build the ramp, the Assyrians could have used either sediment or stones. However, containers, so if you think about this, how they had to build this, they could have used sediment or stones. However, containers would be needed in order to move sediment, which was not very practical. While a stone, big stones, can be passed from one man to another very quickly. The Assyrians, however, needed an incredible amount of boulders to build such a massive structure and to do it quickly. Like, how are we going to do this? At the side of the cliff, they found a quarry.
4: Uh
0: (laughs) So right there was a quarry in which the Assyrians could find the, the rocks and the stones in which to build that ramp. The researchers estimate that the ramp was built using some 3 million stones, weighing on average around 6.5 kilos each. um, This guy doing says, we believe at least 1,000 men worked on the project. These men were likely not soldiers, but rather prisoners of war, forced to do labor around the clock to complete the siege ramp. Um, According to Garfinkel, some 160,000 stones were passed in a human chain each day, and if you did that, the project would have taken as little as 25 days. So if you think they had this massive amount of people there in which to build this. In ancient times, wars could not be waged in winter, so the Assyrian army was in a rush to conclude their campaign in the summer months. Um, In order to ensure the defenders would not be able to prevent the construction of the ramp, is what I said earlier, the work likely began some 80 meters from the wall, with the workers progressively building up the wall, building higher and higher, (coughs) dumping the stones down and moving forward until they were finally able to get to the wall and then take over the city. (coughs) So anyway, it's just sort of interesting that they're, you know, basically this story we're reading in Isaiah... Is something they actually have very, very uh, quite a bit of evidence
3: of,
4: historical as
0: evidence,
3: took place, yeah. huh? Historical evidence, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the mind of man can always devise a way to make war, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's right, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
5: Wow. I've got a question, Greg. Down by the Dead Sea, the last holdout place, what was the name of that? Asada, Asada yeah, yeah, they, they Asada. built a ramp there as
6: yep. well.
0: Yeah. yeah, Masada, and that, that's a fascinating place to go to. Yeah. Um, people die all the time walking up Masada, huh. and the reason why they do is because, I, and I did, I walked up Masada, is that it's like this huge, it's way, it's way, really, really yeah. high. Yeah. You know, it's like this thing built no, in like, nowhere. It's like a around. mesa. Yeah, exactly. It's like an Arizona yeah. mesa. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you, you have to climb up this very small, like, trail that goes up like this, And the irony is the reason why a lot of tourists and stuff have died Mm. is because the Israeli jets and arm, the Israeli Air Force sends jets over that area all the time and they don't worry about like we do here, sonic booms and stuff. So Mm. you would not hear it at all and all of a sudden, kaboom, and it just scares the heck out of people and (laughs) people fall apart. I had that happen, but not there. I had that happen in a, oh, a Bedouin. What? Not there. Yeah, oh, not, not there. there. <laughs> it, it, and it happened on level ground, but it happened in a Bedouin tent in the middle of the Negev Desert. We were all sleeping. I mean, literally in the middle of the desert with the Bedouins in this tent with what? camels and everything. And all of a sudden, at two o'clock in the morning, these mm. Israeli, Israeli jets just go, <laughs> and you just like jump like ten feet off your I used to time you weren't They'd at a bad, so you were hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know when
4: they're building that Not ramp, though, wouldn't yeah. they get <laughs> quite a bit
3: of siege from the other side, like slings and arrows? Well, I'm sure they were. I mean, there's I'm probably sure a lot of people.
0: But if you think about, the they're building way. like this, and so they're able to sort of protect themselves
3: too, a little bit, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people died. Anyway, little
3: fun fact. Yeah, I had a quick archaeology thing too, since we're yeah about this. So. During the siege of Sennacherib, and Hezekiah built an aqueduct and um, to, to feed the, the city of Jerusalem. It's the Pool of Siloam, um, but also to cut off the supply of water for the Assyrians. Too. It, yeah, so he built this ingenious aqueduct, and um, and it's detailed. It, it may be spoken of here. I'm not sure in verse two of 36 when it says, you know, he stood by the aqueduct in the upper. But it's, in, really um, mm-hmm. it's a high kind of town. Yes. It's second. it's Second Kings twenty twenty, I think Second Chronicles thirty-two thirty. Um but it was built during the siege and they had recently found it, I know. Um, but that was another biblical archaeology thing that was in the Bible, and I think they were looking for it, but some some kids were randomly yep. we found it. Yeah. And um, and it, it's interesting because they have chiseling going this way from, I think, from Jerusalem, and then chiseling going the other way, and then you can see where the chisel marks meet, and they're kind of going the opposite direction, mm. and, and you know, where the water comes through. And so the problem was the
0: city had to have water to survive against. I you showed it well. Okay, and so they built Hezekiah's Tunnel to do it. Now, very good idea yeah. that they, they found Because it was, this is Hezekiah's Tunnel. Cool. Alright. Oh. Oh. So this is the entrance to the tunnel. Look at
7: that. Okay. Very well Alright, yes.
0: and you're gonna see how fun it is to walk through the tunnel. Small you don't have claustrophobia. Yes. So this is what it looks like as you're starting to walk through it. Um, there's the water oh, yeah. still that's going through that's going through the tunnel. Are those stock photos or did you take them? I took, <laughs> took these. Yeah. What, what and there's what it looks like walking through the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I will tell you, for me, the scariest thing of walking through the tunnel is we had Israeli soldiers in front of us with machine guns that they were carrying walking through the tunnel, and we're thinking, what? If one of those went off, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say snakes, like uh, Indiana Jones. But... Yeah. So <laughs> was that
4: for your protection? <laughs>
0: no, they, they just had to be they tourists, were tourists, and they were just yeah, they were just walking through. Right. The other time we were doing, it. but anyway, you can see how you I
3: mean, literally from,
0: it's like this. When, when were you there? Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. That's so interesting. Just, that it's so tall because people back then were short. Well, it's so tall also yeah, because I, I think back then they had a lot of water that went through it. Yeah. So today, you a where yeah, and so today, it,
3: it's like barely enough to breathe at a certain point until then, until you get through the middle part. Yeah. So in the middle.
0: So if you ever go to Israel go do the hesipatic tunnel. It's faster. And a lot of people would not go in there.
4: That's solid is, rock. Oh, it's solid rock. Yeah. It's, just yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's like the like salt or granite yeah. or whatever it is. and It's exactly blocks. like what he said. You can imagine the technology to get through
0: from one end to get through to another end. And it was so well hidden, like he said, that no one oh. found it until recently. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a description. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God,
5: <he's> <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so that cool. you bring that up because that's the... That ties in, that's a that's like a, that's a Jesus thing. In the New Testament. <laughs> All the way through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's when God told them to go there for that reason. That upper pool. The yeah, pool the, upper of, pool. the pool. of right, David, which we the, pool of of the, the, the king. And,
0: yeah. uh... <coughs> in fact, the entrance is you will see the pool. Mm-hmm. And the pool's still sort of there, um, but they uncovered. Mm-hmm. So, because water's coming in and it creates a little pool that you have to walk in through. So... There you go. Your archaeology, archaeology lesson of the day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
4: That's good.
0: All right. Um, why don't we turn to Isaiah 40? Last week, if you remember, for those of you who are here, what we did was we read through all of Isaiah 40, and we I, I asked the question, you know, what do you learn about God as you were as you we're. Walking through it, was sort of fascinating. To Listening to how everybody shared about all the different ways you learn about the character of God as you walk through. What I want to focus on today is what is called the um, prelude. Prelude. Is that what I want to say the. Um, am I using that word right? I'm tired. Um, prelude. Right. The beginning. Thing. No. So, yeah. Thank you. Using the word right. Um, uh, so, if you remember in Isaiah, okay, we had at the very beginning of Isaiah sort of a statement that was sort of a prelude, okay, as an sort of introductory part of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 40, as you remember, is now sort of starting a whole new section again. And it's starting a whole new section because now where are the people, just as a review, where are the people now? And I when, when Isaiah's writing in Isaiah 40... Where are the Israelites? Where's is, where is Judah? Where are the people? As Babylon. he's writing right now in Isaiah 40. They're they're Babylon. In Babylon. They're in Babylon, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So they're in exile in Babylon. All right. And so Isaiah 40 through 55 is really speaking to those people who've been taken away by the Babylonians, okay, and wondering, is where's God? You know, I mean, is he ever going to come back? Is he ever going to rescue us? You know, what's going to happen? All right. And so I want to, first of all, try to identify where do you think, so Isaiah 40 is a whole chapter, but the prelude is only in the beginning, somewhat, of Isaiah 40. So I want you to try to detect as we go through here, where do you think the prelude ends? Okay. Does that make sense? So where, and it's, it's quite a few verses in, where does it end? Because I want you to hear, where does the sort of voice change of God as to what he's saying here in Isaiah or Isaiah as Isaiah's writing, all right? So, there's a certain voice at the beginning of Isaiah 40, all right? You can see it right there. What's the first two words? Comfort, comfort. Comfort, comfort, comfort okay. People. All right? So, right at the opening of Isaiah 40, you get this idea like, there's, here's this God who's speaking to his people and saying, you know, I'm bringing you comfort, all right? I'm bringing you, that, that I'm here, I'm here for you, all right? It and ends at eight. It what? It ends at eight. Okay, so you think it ends at eight. Well, you're just like way ahead of us, <laughs> okay? All right? Here. So I want you to look here, where do you think it ends? Where do you see the voice that, and saying that right where do you see like the voice the character of God sort of the voice changing substantially from this comfort this salvation like I'm here for you to something else so it 12. Nine. 12, okay I have
4: I okay all right so I've got 12 I've got
0: eight nine nine anybody else let's take a look at those
4: okay so tried, five. What? After five. He,
5: at, at the end <laughs> After of, five. At the end of five is is, is significant. But, okay. It is. But the, the, the general
4: yeah. tenor the
5: spoken. continues to be
4: good. one of hope until we get to 12. All right.
0: And so where do you see the changes, Jason, at 12? How do you see that tenor changing?
5: This is kind of what we talked about last time. This is where God gives a, 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 a deadly, yet almost ironic-ish sort of... Who, who am I, right? Who else would do this? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked up the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and mm-hmm. the hills in a balance... And then goes on to, did did, did I ask a man for help, basically, right? Okay. So he goes into clarifying and identifying who he is and his and his might, and then leads into defining man.
0: All right. Anybody? Yeah. Good. How? Anybody else? Comments? What do you think as far as what Jason's saying? Does that sound? Do you think that's maybe a good place? Anybody? Comments. You see the difference between, like, what he's pointing out between sort of the difference, even as what you're seeing. Look at verse 11, for example. How's God presenting Himself at this point in verse 11? Right. Mm-hmm. As what shepherd, mm-hmm. someone who. So you still see that theme there. You see the theme still of like the comfort,
5: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that God's providing. Um,
5: and and his definition of us, the her- herald of good news. Yeah. We're clearly his people. Mm-hmm. Good. I so mean, most both people do
0: think that's probably where it stops. Okay, Is that there's a different tone that changes um, when you get to 12 um, that's pretty marked differently than what you've seen at 1 through 11. So a lot of people say that's probably the prelude, so to speak. Okay, with that. Anybody else have any comments there? Thoughts?
5: Uh, in terms of Anything? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. with that,
0: just with the prelude, I guess.
5: Well, you are gonna get, and then we're gonna get. Into you're gonna get in the
0: prelude right now. That's what okay. we're gonna do. Okay. All right. So let's start. We have not done this yet. Let's actually spend some time in the prelude. Now, um, once you take a look, these are very, should I say famous? I mean, these are very well-known verses. Okay. Um, so. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So let's just take a look at that section right there. One thing I want to do as we're walking through here is if you see patterns, like by a pattern I always mean just something repeating itself, Sort of look for that. Okay? So whenever you're reading scripture, try to find things that like you it's like, well I don't have a pattern shirt sure, on. Okay? It's like you see the pattern of John's shirt. It repeats itself. You always want to try when you're reading scripture, look for patterns. Okay? So I'll give you like the first one. If you look in verse verses one and two, you see that pattern that goes, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your Lord. Speak terribly, Jerusalem, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her inequity is pardoned, that she received from the Lord. hand. You see that sort of resonance there? So what do you guys notice in verses 1 and 2? Anything that um, stands out?
5: It's interesting that God refers always to Jerusalem as her. Okay,
0: very, that's a good,
5: yeah, that is true. And he does, that's correct. That she has received from the Lord's hand. This is something, the hand, the arm, the Lord's hand. We talked about this week, right? The
0: mighty. Yes, mighty.
5: but also what, to me, that, that leads, seems to always sort of, Lead and allude into Christ, mm-hmm. who is, what is the Lord's hand, right? But it is interesting. He seems to be well, and then we move into the, the three, four, and five, which is, yeah, which we'll
0: get I mean, What, it is. what are, uh, other people? What do you guys see? Yeah, Charlie. Well,
3: it says her iniquity is pardoned, and then it says she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So her iniquity is pardoned, but there's still double judgment. Is well, that what that means? Yeah, but that is pretty right much up? what
0: that means. Yes, okay. yes, you are correct. Or
5: is it?
3: No, it it, it probably it I, I don't
5: know. Judgment. That's why I'm asking.
0: Yeah. You see double. It, it is. It is. Meaning that she got double the judgment. Look, it's over. Yes. Yes.
4: But it's okay. over. Um,
0: okay.
5: In it. Or, or and or. Okay. Uh sure. Right? Because that stuck out to me too. What, what is double for all her sins? What is the double? Yeah. And I find is it interesting. double mercy yet? or double judgment? That she has Just what, received from the Lord's hand. Mind. That's why that was interesting. Uh, which, uh, mostly uh, okay. the Lord's hand means what? A what? lot of times. It's... Yeah. The doing of the Lord. This is my will. I'm done I, this thing. But at the same time, what is that thing that's executing that? Right? Mm-hmm. So, that will on earth. So, mm-hmm. double for all her sins. So, you, f- first, if you're, a, if you're a glass half full guy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You're like, awesome! We're going to get double in spite of our sins? That's fantastic, right? Yeah. But or, received is it, a past tense word. It, it has received. But you're yeah. talking about God. Justice. Okay? He d- this next three things, he's talking about something. It's happened from the beginning. Right. Also, so that could be something we're talking about. She has received. That's, that is might be at some point in thousands of years. Yet, in but God's it is week,
0: it is pretty much her past tense, as I think Eric just pointed out. So notice it says. So again, what are we speaking to here? Isaiah or God here? I mean, is speaking to what has happened in Isaiah one through forty. I mean thirty nine. Okay. So it's like they're now off in Babylon. Okay, and they're like wondering what the heck has happened to us. Okay, and so here what's being said is, is that in essence, just what Charlie just saw, was that they got double the sins. Okay, but, <laughs> right, this time. what does that match? Think of patterns here again. They got double their sins, but they also got what? Forgive. Yeah. What does it say? Look at look at one and two. They got so think of that. So go along with Charlie just for a
4: minute. They've been they pardoned.
0: Double their sins,
4: but they got
0: comfort. Comfort. Yeah.
4: Good. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: exactly. Comfort, comfort. You see the you see the see the pattern there? Thanks a lot. They got double the comfort. But they got double the judgment, Ugh. double for their. They double the judgment of the sins. Very good, Charlie. You see the. Okay, yeah, we got, we got a lot more, you're but amazing. we got, <laughs> but okay. we got comfort, comfort. So you got the double, sort of like the two things going on there. Okay? So,
5: but what's, yeah. what's missing is what is it? Yeah. What is the comfort, comfort? Uh-huh. Hope. You're in, you're in you're in you're a slave. Comfort, comfort question well is it or is it should comfort is he saying what, what it is
6: huh? we will yeah I'm, i think i'm with jason on this
0: one okay go ahead oh cool. well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're all here for we get all like i'm not going to say like there's yeah
6: well i feel like this is a message of comfort that this is ending
0: uh-huh
6: right so uh-huh. he goes here's the comfort warfare has ended Iniquity is pardoned, right? and you receive received double from the hand of the Lord. I wonder, could that double be mercy? Because it feels like that's what's being atoned for, that this has been taking. So the, the tender words are, this is over. So what's been atoned for? Their sins. How much is sin? No, I'm going say, I think they've received double the mercy for what their debt, Right that what they received is grace. Right? So I wonder if I, I'm not yeah, I'm just so saying as you go, were saying that ahead. I'm reading yeah. that going so because it's like the these three statements of like comfort, uh huh. Your warfare is ended, your iniquity is pardoned, you receive double from the Lord's hand for your sins.
2: hmm
6: I I'm just saying I wonder if hey, Greg. that's the mercy of God.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, this, Let me just I mean,
3: read a quick verse. Uh-huh. Yeah. In Revelation 18, uh, verse 6, it says, Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it, according to her works, in a cup which she mixed. Mix a double portion for her.
0: Okay, and who is that referring to? I, I think, well, this is talking about the fall of Babylon.
4: Yeah, the and I see it as the deliverance from Egypt and the deliverance from Babylon, The two, okay, the double. What double, I get out of that... Double is, deliverance. Yeah. Okay. Guys, yeah. Is
3: that the way it was doled out, the punishment,
4: that maybe double is coming back, too, in blessings. Right. Okay. Because it has Those are the, only, the two biggies in there. Well, uh-huh. and,
5: and the reason that I, I'm thinking that is the rest of this chapter. Uh-huh. Right? Otherwise, it just... It's, it doesn't... Follow suit with the character of God and his way of communicating here. It's like, well, they know they've been punished. That should be pretty obvious. Yeah, right. you have been punished for your sins, double. Okay, yes. However, this is not, he's not in that mode right now. Right? Yeah. He's not in the, you're a, you're a, I'm telling you why you're a jerk. He's like, I'm in the, I'm in the comforting <laughs> mode. I'm giving right. you the hope mode. Uh-huh. I'm telling you what's to come. I'm telling you what you will be receiving. What the, is the reward? Is what he gets into next Mm -hmm. is is what the way I see this, Mm -hmm. right? And is that double for their sins? Like from when? Mm
0: -hmm. Good question. I'm not going to say I know the answer to this. I'm just going to say this. I mean, there's there is debate, which is good. You guys are having the debate about this. Okay. You see the balance of comfort, comfort, and you see the double of the okay of the sins. So. What we're going to find out as we read through Isaiah that what you have right now is you have the people in Babylon that you would think that they have God has forgiven this of all the stuff that's happened from the past, the atonement. All right, okay. Now we're in Babylon. You would expect the people to be what towards our God? They would now what? What have they not done in one through thirty-nine? If not,
8: ascend and fall. Yeah, I mean, we they just fallen away from God. Yeah, we just read in Isaiah 36.
7: What's the big message? Isaiah 36. Are they what God?
5: Are they one with God?
0: Well, but what are they like? We just what was the big argument that the Syrian king was having with Hezekiah? You
5: guys are following idols anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. So what 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 was what was the Syrian king saying? But was like?
5: You guys not going to save you?
0: Right. In other words, don't. Trust God. Right. Who are you going to trust? That's right. And you still have that. You still have this tension here where it's like, here's these people in Babylon. Are they going still? Wow, you guys have, well, so if you take it as a double censor, you've had all the judgment happen to you. God has, you know, forgiven you for that. But are we going to find out? Are the people all of a sudden saying, I'm trusting God, yeah. Or are they not? Have they changed? I mean, that's part of the question we're going to have as we walk through Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Just to try to find out what's going to be the message in the next many chapters. Which, to think of this is a prelude, right? It's a prelude to what's also going to happen, not just what's happened in the past. So.
5: Well, one and two is a message of hope and deliverance. Yeah.
0: What does that say to you guys about the fact that God judges his people? Double.
2: No, I and mean, even if you say
0: double, well, even think about that for a moment. What does that say to you about God doing that to his people? He's, He's a good about, parent. He cares about it. He's a good it. father. That's interesting you say that. Why do you say that?
5: I mean... So we, we, we in, the, uh, in the kids deal... Yeah. Something along these lines came up, and I said, Do you guys know any kids whose parents, like, just let them get away with anything? And everything? And they're all like, Yeah. And I go, Do you want to hang out with those kids? No. Question. You know, they're kind of, they're, they're, yeah. Well, do your parents discipline you? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, they care about us. Yeah, they care about the way you behave. They care about the sort of human being you're going to be, right? So how does that translate? That translates, they love you. Okay. Straight out of Proverbs.
0: Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where do you see that in the New Testament? Where do you see in the New Testament that God's judgment, or what we call it, discipline is actually a sign of his love and the relationship Romans, he had with him. Uh, Romans
8: 5, I think it is. It's three or five, right
0: in there. Okay. What else we all think of other places? Hebrews. Uh, what was that? Yeah, Hebrews, where'd Hebrews? you have? find it. Hebrews. Yeah. a he he Yeah, turn to Hebrews 12. It's just interesting to see, because it's just like right along the lines you have it with the kids okay, and I think you actually sort of see this here too in Isaiah, is the judgment by God we take as like, oh my gosh, how can God do that? But it's really discipline because he loves his people. I mean, he's trying to call his people back to them. Um, if, you, if you turn to Hebrews 12, this is a good one you could use Jason with the kids. I don't know if you've ever used this. So Hebrews 12... whenever I feel like God's doing that to me, which he does, I always remember this passage in Hebrews 12. Um, So Hebrews 12, and I'll just, I'll start at, um, I mean, Hebrews 12.1, you know, it just starts so beautifully. It's one of, you know, awesome passages. In fact, it almost starts seems like how we come with Isaiah. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance or race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So obviously talking about Jesus here. All right? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? This is interesting. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Quoting from the Old Testament. Nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And chastens every son whom he receives. And I love this part. It is for discipline I love it, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Is that fascinating?
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, the judgment, the dis which is just I can relate through a judgment discipline here. God disciplines those He loves because we are. I mean, it's right here. Who are we in God? We said slaves of Christ, but we are children of God, and as children of God, He's going to He wants us to be His children and to follow Him be holy right so to do that he disciplined to be disciplined. Us. he's a good father he's a good father and that and it, so it's so like if you don't have the discipline by God <laughs> you know it's like it's okay when that comes <laughs> as hard as that is to feel it's like it is what builds us up. In
5: that relationship with God, helps us learn to be more holy. Yeah. Well, so, <clears throat> they riding their staff. Yeah. The sheep are soaked. Hey, if I start wandering off because I'm just busy eating the grass and I'm not looking up, throw that thing. Oh wait, I I gotta get back in the pack. Yeah. yeah. What were you gonna? You're gonna... I was gonna say for him to be how, I, how I've
7: always made sense of it is for him to be perfect in his love, he rules with justice and mercy equally. Yeah. And if it's too much mercy, uh-huh. uh, you know. So the the concept of this discipline, he can't be perfectly just unless he there's the accountability of the discipline I think so. equally. Um, yeah, excellent. I I so. Yeah, I just think, that, that. That's one of those, those beautiful reminders. And then again. That justice is, in a lot of ways, at least in my life, has has made the mercy all the more powerful. Mm. When the mercy is there, when the grace is there, it evokes love in a different kind of way. When you feel the weight of justice, yeah, um, yeah. and that's and when those things, the duality of the two is what I mean. Is obviously what makes God so powerful and so interesting. Right. Um, but, yeah, and it's a very good, yeah. You read it in this way, yeah. I mean, it's a
0: lot of what, it's the very first thing to sort of go when people start, start turning away from God. One of the first things to go is they think God should not be just. He should just be God of love, 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 love. And they don't realize just exactly what you said. It's two sides to the same coin. I mean, justice shows the deep love of God. Right. Um, and they both go hand in hand, you know, with that. Oh, um, yeah. But right. You guys, yeah, Jason, you were good.
5: It just, that whole concept that you just were bringing up, that, that whole argument about, uh, you know, what kind of God would do that? Right, That's right. The God that actually wants you to be set free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think of when Abraham is blessed with a son by God, mm-hmm. and then is told to go kill him. And... He stays his hand at the end, of course. However, or not of course, but he does. And why? You think, why why of that? Because he wanted to give Abraham the, that, I believe, is what, for Abraham, pushed him completely over the edge into being completely with God. Yeah. And was set free from slavery of the world. And that action right there was what enabled us all to be sitting here. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. It's am- amazing. Yeah. So, what kind of God would do that? A God that loves His people. Yeah. To that point. Right. This is this is also you know as
3: opposed to like God giving you over to a debased mind, hmm. which is Romans one twenty eight. And they did not like to retain their knowledge. uh, God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, conceit,
0: uh, evil-mindedness. You know all of these things. So this is this is the opposite. God's discipline, as opposed to God giving you over. Right, to the debates. And what's interesting in Romans is one, if you watch, there's this progression. God keeps like, you know, it's just the people get more and more away from him. More and more debates. More and more of this, you see this progression happening. Um, to where it's like, he just says... And you see, we saw it in Isaiah. We see God just sort of giving, just saying, you guys are being like the idols, you guys are being <laughs> like the world. I'm going to just let you... How let the world do its thing on you. Yeah. <laughs> and they right. become like the world. Yeah. Right? And so the judgment ends up being the world. It's like what you just what you see with the nations in Isaiah. It's like you wanna become like the nations? Here you go. There you go, <laughs> you so it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Any okay. of you guys have I mean, I don't know if anybody wants to share, but any I any ideas as to or any like stories as to how you've experienced that with God as far as discipline, where you have felt with love, but Mm. seen that through discipline, I know that's a tough question.
5: (laughs) How long have we we gotten here tonight?
0: I just want to, like any examples where you can say, like, well, I knew this was like God's discipline of me, because he loved me.
3: might not have felt like that when you go through it, um, you guys are... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, like, as a, as a young man, I wanted to be. I was very proud. I wanted to be uh-huh. a self made man. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, write the book on how to just whatever, right? Accomplish uh-huh. and, and um, God, like, he drugged me through the mud. You know, he drugged me through the mud. It was made it very difficult, and he also. Had everybody in my life, who's significant like relationship in my life, helped me in a significant way, so that I can never say that I did do it myself. Uh, and uh,
4: um, that's perceptive of you. Yeah, remember, <laughs>
3: yeah. And I remember realizing that it was like the last person that was significant in my life that could have helped me did, and then he like brought that to my attention. He's like, remember when you said you wanted to be a self-made man? Everybody has helped you, including uh, you know God, but. Um, yeah, he just kind of drug me through the mud, but it, it it was such a good, like, I, you know, can being drugged through the mud be enjoyable? I don't know, but I look back on it, like, very favorably and very,
4: you know, like, I would, yeah,
3: I would never change that, and kind of the character building through that, that God, you know, did, but through that discipline and through that, that those difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
0: Well said. Yeah. Anybody else? So like one of those questions, you know, you should always open up like a new So <laughs> <You know>? uh, <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah, yeah. So many. I, yeah. Was, I mean,
0: that was our passage, Jeff. You know, that's there's that a passage we're in, right? Confess your sins to one another. Sure. Um, of course, that's not something like confess your sins sin. to one another, you beat know, over. But I mean, that's part of, I think, a little bit of this whole part here is just recognizing this is what God's doing at um, I, yeah, I just had a thought of something it uh-huh. was a turning
4: point in my life. Uh, it was very dramatic, like you say, being drunk through the mud. I was a, an addictive gambler uh, mm. in the 70s and 80s uh, to the point where I wanted to just do nothing but gamble, mostly on sports. Not the casino games, but sports games for the rest of my life. And do it professionally. Yeah, and be a, operate a casino kind of thing. I'm in Lake Tahoe. Well, and I was getting literally drunk through the mud in the 80s as I started losing money rather than making money. I thought I was pretty smart. I could judge what, what teams were going to lose or win in any sport uh, just by momentum, you know. I had all these systems figured out to do it. And that's a horse track race tracks here in Southern California, too. I was out there all the time. I considered that to be the bank. I'd go there and get my, get my money. Uh, but, like anything else, it goes in the streets. Well, I was also set to go to Tahoe and open a gallery and uh, had a place in a casino there, too, where I had to just end up the sports book. And Tappy, who I had just met at that time, said, no, John, I can't be married to a gambler. Oh! Oh boy, just like lightning bolts from the heart, bam! I never been there, event in my life. Just stop me cold like that. Wow. Me slammed in the bud, you know. But well, here's your boom right in the bud, and I was just so startled when she said that. It was a revelation, wow. Wow. and I had been trying to quit up at that point, uh, but I couldn't, and I was just accelerating it rather than tapering off or quitting. Uh, so that was a uh, a major turning point for the That's better, true. thanks to so her presence of mind <laughs> and up. saying that to me. Yeah, I proposed to her, and she was thinking it over, kind of thing. And then she came back with that: "I can't huh. be married to a gambler." So I said, well, and did no you? also when she said that, she, <laughs> yeah, when she said that
0: was, I mean, because a lot of times you could think of, you know, of a gambler's like. Fiction or something, was something just stopped in you? I mean, just like God just and right. her words and She, she didn't did say in an angry
4: me. tone or right, a judgmental right. tone, she just said frankly, I can't be married to a gambler because of his security was her number one uh, desire in life, her number one need in life. Yeah. I asked her what's your biggest need is, uh, before that uh, and she said security so it made perfect sense that being married to a gambler would be insecure because I was insecure being a gambler myself. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> I, enjoy, I had enjoyment on it, but it was something was very most difficult thing for me in life to quit. wasn't smoking, wasn't drinking, it was gambling. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Thank the Lord is yeah, true love and a losing streak. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That was my part. That was not That's,
5: right
3: that's, that's, right. that's, race. that's yeah. his discipline. <laughs> that's that's right. right. Pierces all the teams you bet met on. I <laughs> was well, right. a bookie, too. Yeah, that's, no, that's right. That
4: yeah. It had to do with gambling. I that was a brilliant. Really big time. Yeah. Or, like a fool. Eric, yeah. <laughs> you were...
5: Um, the term a contrite heart. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the connotation is... Accepting correction as God's love. Yeah, yeah. You know, because when you're corrected, you can rebel against it, or you can see it differently as God working in your life through love and and redirection, if you will. But unless you receive it that way, you won't change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and that's that's the that's the turning point. Is well, whether you receive it that way or not. Yeah. So sometimes it just happens, right? But it's how you interpret it.
4: That well, is it is everything.
5: It is, and then but again, sometimes that just happens, or sometimes God just tells you how it is. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. This, this, you don't yeah. have a choice. In other words. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. oh. So uh, the get out of jail free card. Yeah. 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 I had I was a, a rower in, in college, and I was super competitive, and I was, like, top in the country kind of level, and I was going to go to the Olympics, and it was going to be fantastic, and I just was just dominating. And nobody, I, I trained myself to the point where I was like a, a robot. I could determine what my splits needed to be and just do it. It didn't matter how I felt. didn't matter what I thought. I just <laughs> just do it, which was awesome, except for the fact that the human body just won't accommodate that. Mm-hmm. and um, for a long for yeah. long yeah you you got about one a year and yeah really, and uh, other than that you're you're gonna you're gonna blow up so right the 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 night before the national team testing was taking place uh and I was gonna just destroy it the next day and get down there first thing in the morning and just crush this thing and assure my future into that whole world and that night i uh i'm gonna get to bed really really early and so I did and I I went to go get up to go to the bathroom, and I, could, I literally, like, I felt fine, but I couldn't get my body out of bed. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's going on? And I, I had to crawl to the bathroom.
4: Wow.
5: It was, I, I couldn't explain it, and I thought, Wow, well, I don't know what's going on, but now I'm kind of panicking, and it's like, okay, just go to bed, you wake up, everything will be fine. Woke up, wasn't fine limped down to the place where the test was, was right down the street from my house, and, like, just was, like, shaking and quaking. And I wasn't, I didn't feel sick. I didn't have, like, flu symptoms or anything. My body was just, like, short-circuiting. And and I had to watch the other guys do it. I couldn't do it. And I walked home completely just out of my mind, broken. And uh, God spoke to me as I'm walking down the sidewalk. He said, that's not who you are. No. I've got other plans for you. And and I then went and ended up seeing the, the the school athletic doctor who had just come from UCLA, who had dealt with all these track athletes, and had, it was like something that they nobody really knew very much about. They called it overtraining syndrome. He had all this documentation on it because of these track athletes, and. Um, That basically, you you need to go see a psychiatrist because, or psychologist or whatever, because when you go through this, you kind of lose your mind, right? But I was like, I'm fine. You know, God told me what the deal was. I get it, right? And so, like you said, this is how you receive it, but God kind of didn't give me a choice. Hey, here's the deal, right? And I was like, oh, wow, never thought of that. And uh, so, that was one of those. Green, right. Even
4: though,
5: yeah, it's yeah. one mean, of those things. Or God, uh, we make our plans, but God directs our steps. indeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff and I were talking the
4: time,
0: you know, about you know like these like different like stages of faith. You know that you, as, as a Christian, as you're going, as you're growing, I guess you could say, biblically, more and more into holiness. I one thing I've noticed with people who really do become almost like what we would call the saints. I don't mean saints from a Catholic perspective, but the ones who really you see in their lives just this continuing holiness. You find out about their lives or read their stories, and it's almost like assuming double the sins here, double the judgment is what it says here, Mm -hmm. but you see that when you listen to their lives, God has done a lot of disciplining that then correlates with also them becoming more and more holy. And the Christian life is not, it's not just like, oh, let's just, you know, fun and games. God's going to just bless me, bless me, bless me. I think that's where, like, people get stuck. They think, oh, you know, I became a Christian. God's supposed to just bless me. That all of a sudden, something's going on in their life, and they don't know what it is that's going on in their life, and they think something's wrong with their relationship with God and their faith in God, and what they don't realize sometimes is part of what God's doing is he's trying to take you to that next step. You know, we, I, you guys have heard that dark night of the soul. You know, where God just takes you to this time, through time of just going, where's God? And yet, it's a Job experience, you know. Sure. And yet, that's part of that whole growing more and more to become like Christ.
5: So, do you think uh, at some point you start to, as you, as you grow into that, you, you, you're looking forward to those? Because you're, you're, you're trying to be on track and do what, what you believe God wants you to be doing, Right. But you're also, like, hopeful in some respect, like, hey, if I'm not, I want to know. Yeah, so if you're going to discipline me, I'm, yeah, please do. Right. Right, if I'm not going... And most of you don't have to
0: ask for it, I just...
5: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Or, again, I
0: bring this up a lot, but I think of the Apostle Paul, it just always strikes me, is that, what did the Apostle Paul do? You look at his letters... From the very beginning of his letters, he wrote to the end one. When you look at the end of his letters, is when he most seems to be aware of his own sin. You know what a wretched man I am. He just you see this like right. sense that even as he is growing more and more holy, like Christ, the smaller, or the smallest of sin it becomes this just huge thing, darkness. I guess it's like the light in the darkness, but the darkness becomes much, much more apparent. Mm-hmm. And God's working to create us to be more holy, and so we look at sin as something which is is more and more severe. Really does take us away from God, and we take it seriously.
5: You know, um, yeah. So yeah, it's like a true friend will tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> Amen. Sure. And we all need that. My wife is that for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've just got a wife like I know. I mean I, this one reason I actually married her is I love the fact that I had a wife that I knew I could not get away with anything. Yeah. And I well, need to hold you accountable. Yeah. Hold and I needed that. And I'm the type of person like I need that in little things like this. We all need Because <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like catch me early. I remember as a kid man, i was thank- thankful that I got caught stealing at a really young age. Uh, I did, too. Both from my mom that and from the store. I forgot all yeah. about that. I and I got disciplined for that, and I was like, yeah. I look back on that, and I go, thank God, yeah, you know, that I did. Mm-hmm. Because I, like, go, i am never going to steal again. Do
4: you remember what you stole?
0: Yeah, it was a knife. Oh. Why did two things? I you a stole a comic book. Yeah, I, I stole a knife. <laughs> I have no you idea. I stole like yeah. a yeah. but a I stole a knife from a store. <laughs> I remember that, and then I remember actually one time going into my mom's purse but and, I robbed and the store stealing money from her purse. At knife <laughs> point? <laughs> no, not <laughs> at knife
5: point. <laughs> 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 know what. That's funny. I knew everyone stole money from their folks. That was one thing. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I never did. I'm steal I, from a
0: store. I did somewhere. one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be that was it could <laughs> have do that again. Right. I um, my dad used his belt quite well with that. One.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, I wonder yeah. if sometimes the reason why it feels more severe is like the discipline, like, is resensitizing your heart. Maybe in what? so I I think. It's why would Paul, you know, way down the road would call himself like the chief sinner, right? Mm -hmm. Is you go, I think he probably looked at his life with so much conviction over all the things like you're saying. And you're going, he's actually come so far. Right. And yet... The distance you've traveled has resensitized. It's continue to sensitize your heart to sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it yeah. Like to, 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 to understand, make, to, right? So, so what hurt
0: before? It took a lot to make it hurt. Now it doesn't take much. Is that sort of yeah. 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 The, the right. more
5: you understand, the more you understand.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 right. And the more it affects your heart. Yeah. I think that's what you get. A, it, it, yeah. Well, Instead of desensitizing are. your heart, it sensitizes your yeah. heart. Yeah. Which again, I think is a good thing. We, we were talking about this. It's like that's one thing you we want people to know, wherever they are on their walk in faith. That a lot of times what they're taking, what they take is possibly I'm losing my faith. Is actually God taking them to create a much stronger
5: faith yeah. Do that. That's why he has three that. questions at the end of his sermon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
6: Well, and I think that is like where you would go. I think the wise person would seek, not seek the pain. But seek the discipline, meaning right. that truth is that way. Right. Versus the avoidance of discipline is like sort of stay in the dark. Right. Right. And you go in the long run, you stay sick that way. Like mm-hmm. right. So to go towards the light is like even if it hurts, yeah.
7: the freedom. I think it's said freedom. If you look at discipline, is every discipline is just making more like Christ. If you receive it with a contract, if you receive it as that is the intention of the discipline is to sanctify you more and more right. to become more like Christ. Because Paul is such a funny example. I always ask myself, like, how did my, why did God have to make it so hard on him? You know, <laughs> like, he he gets saved, and, and he's, you know, the greatest missionary ever, and yet, like, thorn in his side, shipwrecked. Everyone's trying to thing, feel like, like he's just consistently disciplined. In, right. in, in, and I was, it always struck me as, like, he's doing such good work for the gospel, but maybe that's also, again, the desensitization. Yeah, exactly. Of he was consistently humbled, always throughout the process of preaching the gospel, right. that he leaned into grace more and more throughout mm-hmm. that whole process. Yeah. That like truly makes him such a uh, for us that we can relate to. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be disciplined your whole life, and that's the Lord loving you. So because if the point of your life is to be more like Jesus, right. you need discipline always. Yeah, I think you it. I mean, exactly.
0: Yeah, and it is. You read those descriptions of him, you just go. I don't want to be that. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. You know? right. yeah. but
4: yeah, love me a little less. <laughs> right. Right. Do you right. like the, the, You the, do, the, but I mean, facetious. Okay. It's
0: like yeah. you just reading it, you go. I mean, yeah. what what is his his experience coming before? Like, if he's going to get up and preach, it's like fear and trembling. It's like you think, what well, does that go away? No, it gets it's worse. But, but you think about Almost. like the
5: shipwreck. God goes, and hey, here's an out. I'm gonna kill all these guys that have you ca- and you're gonna just, and you can go on your way, do your thing, and he's like, no, I gotta get a ship to Rome. Right. Where I know I'm gonna face him. I'm gonna death, probably torture, <laughs> jail, all this other stuff. I've got a mission, and that's the stuff where I look at Paul's life and go, you make- you give a whole nother definition of pain, right? Right. Which is glory. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just t- turn that whole thing upside down. Yeah. yeah, I want that. That's a dude I can go, I, I want what that guy's got. Right, And I think
0: so. I think in Isaiah, you remember, that's, this is how Isaiah 6, you know, started with Isaiah getting this word from God and just realizing this deep sin of his, but then being atoned for for that. And I think what you're going to see, what we're seeing in Isaiah 40 here, you know, however we take the devil to the sins part, we're seeing, again, sort of a repeat of Isaiah 6, where it's like, I've I'm atoned for your sins. I'm the God who's done this. But now we've got we're still on this journey, <laughs> and we're going to see Isaiah 40. Now the journey is continues to be: Are you going to trust me? Or are you going to serve me as this God? And you're going to find we're going to find out that people they still don't really want to, which is exactly why we keep pointing towards Christ um, for that. So, okay, let's keep reading. Uh, that was a good discussion. Thanks, Jeff. Really good discussion. Um, so Isaiah uh, 43. Yeah, you guys recognize these passages? A voice cries. Who is the voice? Is. The voice
3: no, is here. About this. But well, he will <laughs> mean, be John
7: I mean, Baptist. But I don't
0: think John the Baptist is that old. <laughs> no. Probably not. It's it's,
5: it's God. It's young. Well
0: think about that here. That's so think about this. Just like this is sort of interesting. What is who's talking here? Where is this like taking place? Is it's not Isaiah at this point. Who's the voice? Who could that voice even be? Where is this? Taking place that this voice cries. Where do you think this is? This whole passage here, "Comfort, comfort, my people," says your Lord. A voice calls in the wilderness. Look at number six. A voice cries. I mean, okay. where where have we had other voices before? You guys, remember in Isaiah? Where did other voices come from?
5: In the in the, the kingdom of God,
0: in the temple. Right, simple, yeah. And what were those voices from? Voices were well
5: Yeah and, and God, right? Yeah, what do you say
4: to God? Yeah. Angels.
5: The angels like the, yeah. the, cherubim. The, cherubim. the cherubim. Exactly. All right. So some people
0: wonder, is this like sort of like Isaiah six where it's like taking sort of place and God sort of giving you an idea of what's happening in the heavenly realm?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And these voices are sort of like the cherubim or someone cried out, We don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's just interesting; it doesn't say either. It just says the voice cries in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Hold on. Hold on, (laughs) (laughs) Jason. You you know what? I actually feel redeemed by you Uh because people complain like, "How long are we going to be in a book of the Bible?" But if I wanted your pace,
1: (laughs) oh boy. Which yeah. I love. I, I give that time. to as a compliment. I love it. Time.
0: But we, you would be like what I do when I do. Oh, that word. Let's just spend two hours. Well, no,
4: no. Look at it. It, it. it. Whose voice is it? <laughs> look, look at, look at. I know, I know.
0: I love it. Though. A Great. voice cries.
5: Great. Okay. And it's in quotes. Uh-huh. What does it say at the end of of five? For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yeah. So the voice is the voice of the Lord. What do you mean, well,
6: I think like the word of the Lord would maybe mean by, by the authority of God, like in his
5: name. Could be. The word? Yes. Then whose voice that particularly is, is irrelevant. Could be Gabriel. It's, it's the word of the Lord. He announces and it everything else. In fact, it doesn't say the word, it says for the mouth of the Lord. Okay, yeah.
8: You were going to say they Dale? Uh, Your question about how long it take? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, There was a guy teaching Sunday school here. This is decades ago. Uh And my son was, I think he was probably eight, my daughter five. So they came in, they went into where we were at in Sunday school at that time. And Jack said, "Um, this is really a pretty day. I've got my boat down in the harbor. You want to go for a ride? And my son said, but this is Sunday school. We're supposed to be doing church things. Uh-huh. And he said, we have the rest of our life to do this. Today is a really pretty day. Let's go for a boat ride. Exactly. Now,
5: I felt like that about high school. Were you cool with that? <laughs>
8: well, that's good. <laughs> sure. uh, all so right, did, hey, so anybody the else? Yeah, yeah, so Jason's is fine. Yeah, yeah. they did.
0: That's uh, right. I actually love it because uh, this is the passion of this. This is, yeah, it's the
4: passion we want to have with the word of God here. So your, think, yeah, your deal about passion.
8: Mm-hmm. Um, in 65, '65, '66, I graduated from college, and Maryland. and I just took a year off. We just said. Every morning I'd wake up and say, "What oh, would you like to do today?" And whatever she said, we did. So mm-hmm. we went from here, across the United States, and over to Europe, and around and back, and we were at the Historical. Louvre, and uh, I walked. When Marilyn this and is, I, an, is that in France? In the, the yeah. 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 Paris. yeah. Okay. So, Paris. Yeah. Went into the Louvre, and Marilyn and I do things together all the time. But when we're at museums or anything where you're going to go look at things, we walk in the door together, and we go two different directions, and she looks at her things, and I, you know, so... And then somehow we get back together, and they go. So I walk into this room that's probably about this size. And there's a picture, like, 8 by 10, of the beheading of John the (laughs) Baptist. And there's this guy standing at the rope that keeps you from getting too close. Uh-huh. And I walked in and I started to say something to him and then I just looked at him. He was so involved in that picture, he was in shock. He was just standing. I stood next to him for about five minutes and he just was fixed. Mm. So I gently took him by the hand and walked him over and sat him on a bench. And about ten minutes later you woke up. Said, Who are you? I said, wow. I said, you were looking at the picture and you were really fixed, and so I brought you over and sat you down. Huh. Yeah, it was weird. He wow. said, thank you. Walked away. I mm-hmm. have <laughs> yeah, the original yeah. of that picture in uh-huh. a church at Malta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Did he speak French then? Uh no. <laughs> I don't speak any language. That's like the gazing of what the What I found man. was everybody else spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. As God intended. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the kings. The The uh, <laughs> <laughs> <in English. laughs> um,
0: All right. We'll just wrap it up in five. You know, we're working our way through. Yeah. Um, but anything else in five? Notice, do you notice the difference in the way God is addressed here? Than what we saw in verse one and two. Uh, Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh, true. What else? And what else do you see? So you see Yahweh, very good, Bill. Notice any difference in the way God is addressed? His term God, Elohim, versus what you see in forty one. Get okay, my question. Look at third. Look at. Yeah. Your God, our God? Yep, there you go. Remember we had those discussions before about the different ways? So if you notice here, it starts out by, says your God, and then in verse 3 it says our God, and what we're going to find out is if you look down in verse 8, the word of our God, and then you go back to verse 9, and you're back to your God. (laughs)
5: So, so this, this pattern
3: again. Yes.
0: I
5: mean, is this is this just me, or is this should this be really super obvious at three, four, and five, or God declaring the coming of Christ? Well, so I as mean, I will always
0: like, say to you, perfect. this this obviously is being used later to show that that's what this is ultimately. Okay, right. so um, to say the people here are not seen. Seen that Isaiah's not necessarily seen that, does well, that become a
5: prophecy for that? Regardless, yeah. but but in terms of the structure of this chapter, to me this this is interesting. You, you could break it out into blocks. This is God declaring uh-huh. the coming of Christ, okay? Right. Then the next section is is for his people to understand the world and him and ourselves. Right? It's it's more defining yeah. who you are, who I am. Okay? So it's like, hey, look at here's here's a little intro, a little, a little nice intro, mm-hmm. again sort of saying who you are, who I am. Prophecy. This is the this is what you're gonna receive.
0: Well, and a lot of and this then, is setting up and again, for yeah. not just even Christ, but setting up for what's going to be happening in Isaiah forty two fifty five too. Certainly. Okay, so you're gonna see we're gonna see that. So but, this but, week well, so I just close that one. This week, go ahead and we'll pick this back up to get to 11 next week. But look at patterns again. Read, verse, read verses 41 through 11. And just sort of underline. Look for things you're seeing repeat or things that just like sort of like, oh, I see that again. Sort of like what Jason's doing there. Just seeing sort of patterns that are going on. There's a lot of stuff happening in 1 through 11. There. Okay. All right. Good discussion, you guys. Um, Pete, you want to close us up
3: first? Sure. Okay. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this group of men that we have here tonight. We thank you for all the blessings in our lives, everything that you've given us, this beautiful place that we live, that we have you in our heart, that we can study your word on Tuesdays and uh, just come before you in the book of Isaiah and your truths and your wisdom. We thank you for all your blessings, but we thank you for your discipline in our lives. Mm. Lord, that you've shaped us into who we are today and that you continue to sanctify us into perfection. Mm. Lord, we thank you. Uh, You are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.